Eric Newman, give me a name. Kobe Bryant. Welcome to Give Me a Name, where a guest presents me, Ben Kirschenbaum, with a dead historical figure they find interesting, and we discuss. Kobe Bryant once said, quote, I can't relate to lazy people. We don't speak the same language. I don't understand you. I don't want to understand you, end quote. So if you're just lying on your couch listening to this, you might want to rethink things. I mean, still listen, just take a walk or something. Kobe Bean Bryant, the Kobe from his parents looking at a menu at a Japanese restaurant and naming him after Kobe Beef, and the Bean because his father, who was an NBA player and a player in the Italian leagues, was nicknamed Jelly Bean. Jelly Bean Joe, Jelly Bean Bryant. I didn't actually know, and maybe because I've read so much stuff and I didn't know what was factual or not, I didn't know for sure if the Kobe thing was the Kobe beef thing. I assumed it was, but but okay. There, I'm already learning something about the guest I'm supposed to be giving you <laughs> knowledge on. So that's a good hot start. Uh, do you regret having me yet? <laughs> You selected Kobe Bryant, who I know that after Kobe died on social media, you were expressing your love for the guy. What's so significant about Kobe for you? I actually went through a complicated, sort of had a complicated relationship with Kobe. So I actually grew up kind of hating Kobe because like when I was growing up, when I was in high school from 2001 to 2005, it was very much like the Allen Iverson versus Kobe rivalry. And, And Kobe was the one that everybody wanted to hate on. He was the one that's just like, we love AI, like, fuck Kobe, you know? And so I kind of just was, I guess, persuade to to not like Kobe. And when I started becoming more of an independent thinker and sort of like listening to what I actually like and not what people tell me to like, I realized like I love him. So I started becoming a fan, I guess. I'm a huge Knicks fan, huge NBA fan. It's pretty, pretty much the only sport I pay attention to, but I grew up as a hardcore Knicks fan. I guess starting in maybe like, a little after I graduated high school, I started like really paying attention to Kobe and I was like finding myself rooting for the Lakers in 2008, 2009, and then they went to the championship. They won two championships. They went to the finals three times in that time span. I don't know. Throughout the years, I just found myself really being in awe of how committed he was. And the thing about Kobe is that, you know, the arguments that people have against him, I guess, and are a lot of time like he was a little bit of an author of his own legacy. And it was sort of him pushing against the world. I view Kobe as the ultimate overachiever. Right. And I think that's sort of what I admire most about him is that he said it a lot in interviews, like, I'm not the most talented player. There are guys who I watch and I go like, oh, he has it. He has more natural gifts in regards to athleticism, speed, quickness, and his vertical. You know, his vertical was never exceptional. He just outworked everyone. So Kobe, in the mid-2000s, started nicknaming, he nicknamed himself the Black Mamba. Right. And the reasoning was that he gets his prey 99% of the time. Bill Simmons, who is a sports and cultural analyst, or I don't know how to describe Bill Simmons. Yeah, yeah said that it was pretty bold of a guy who was accused of a rape allegation to then nickname himself after a A predatory snake. But anyway, the thing that was associated with it is this idea of like mamba mentality. And I think it's applicable to pretty much any trade. Right. 100%. And I think that... And so that's a little bit of the knock on Kobe, where it's like, oh, he gave himself a nickname to sort of only further his dominance, you know, in the game and whatever. But I don't know. 
there's something about he just cared so much and you know it's it's interesting because you know I read articles about how when he was a kid on the Lakers he he got drafted and he was he was you know 17 and he just practiced a lot and didn't really spend much time with the team and so he wasn't really concerned with popularity or any of that stuff or like even wanting to be liked he just needed to be one of the greats and as someone who desperately needs to be liked um <laughs> i truly i truly admire admire that it just like he stayed focused the entire time and i think he got to a point where even his biggest haters were just okay got to give it up and that you know? isolation thing i think a lot of people there's a recent book that actually came out either today or very recently by mike Silski, who writes for the Philadelphia Inquirer, and it's just about kind of the rise of Kobe, particularly these sort of high school years. Yeah. I think that isolation thing is not too hard to find the roots of because he grew up a large part of his life in Italy. His yeah. father was in the Italian league after being in the NBA, and he's the kind of lone American, lone African-American amongst these Italians. He's also moving around in Italy and then finally moves to the Philadelphia area, and it's easy for him to be isolated because he's kind of always a fish out of water so it makes sense i feel like that he that, would be that, that isolated he would be like guy. okay being by himself yeah that's no that's a great point and it's interesting i always think it's an interesting dynamic of someone who like is the son of someone who did the same thing they did and that relationship was probably really interesting and you know i'm sure his dad felt like i want my son to be better than i was and yeah. i'm sure kobe was i feel like i'd be letting my dad down if i wasn't better if i didn't like go further with it than he did there there was a reputation of his dad who was in the nba but then ultimately i don't know couldn't hack it or whatever or found more success somewhere else right. where kobe apparently in interviews expressed that by him being great, he's sort of redeeming his dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's a family legacy, ultimately. I hope my kid gets a special before <laughs> I, you know. Like, of course. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, well, actually, I, I really hope my kid doesn't go into stand-up. But um, I, actually, I don't, I hope I don't have a kid. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just think, yeah, it is. It's almost like, all right, let's give this one more shot. And Kobe did it. It's so funny, man. Like, he makes me feel so lazy, man. And it makes me sort of question who I am and what, how driven I really am because I feel like I'm such a hardworking guy. But when you read articles about Kobe like being in the gym like three hours before everyone, and again, not everything is like a perfect equivalent to, to what we do as, as stand-up comics. You know, I try to always like think of Kobe as sort of a guide and say like, oh, what would, what would he do in this situation? He'd probably work on... 20 more tags for this bit where I get complacent and I'm like, okay, that's good. I always think of him as sort of a guide and I don't always take the guidance, but he's always sort of there just like in my brain somewhere. And I think that's sort of why he means so much to me and meant so much to me is because you see that excellence can be achieved and you see how much work it takes to get there. He tests me. He sort of like pushes me, you need to find that person, you know? Yeah. And I think, again, a parallel to stand-up. So I was listening to this interview with Andrew Bernstein, who was a famous photographer for the NBA. He photographed a lot of the iconic posters that people have on their walls. And Kobe said that he knew this guy 
from when he was a little kid because he had some of the posters on his walls. And in this interview, he defines Mamba mentality. And I thought he was going to say something like Mamba mentality is just being obsessed and and working so hard and, like you said, getting to the gym early to have an extra workout that no one else does. But the way he enters into it is he says, Mamba mentality, infinite curiosity about what you do. Wow. That's see, that's the whole thing. You know, it's funny because like I've been working with super profound and like so I it's it's so funny, right? Because now I've been doing comedy for like thirteen years and so oftentimes it's about asking the right questions. There's a young comic now who's twenty years old and he's been doing it for a year and he reached out to me, he's a fan of mine. He was like, Hey, you know, I'd love to like start getting coffee or whatever and I was like, Yeah, totally dude. I try to be like as generous with my time as possible, especially sure. when I see somebody's like super passionate and hungry and Which like, also is a super Kobe thing, by the super, way. Right, yeah. right, right. So so, so he, I like that he's so curious about things. I like that he, he asks me questions that I feel like I would have asked or thoughts that I feel like I would have had. Because that's what it is, right? It's really just all about trying to not only find answers to the questions that are already there, but asking new questions, right? Yeah. Is there a better way to do things? And that's what you have to assess, I think, on a daily, and on like a minute-to-minute basis, whatever you're in, is like, can I be doing this better? So I think that's the first step. Is there a way to do this better is the first step. How do I do that is the second step, right? So it's like infinite curiosity, I think, is really the difference maker. I think it's it just opens your world up. Yeah, that's, I think, the best way to summarize mom mentality it's like infinite curiosity is the way you get through the door and then the obsession all that stuff naturally follows because right. you're curious you right. you want to know kobe's studying a michael jordan move or whatever and he's going to work it you know over and over and over again because he's curious if he can do it one other thing i found really cool from the interview is that kobe says that he had a poster of michael jordan doing i think it was just like a post up or, or some move and he studied the poster and in the interview, he says that sometimes it's even more efficient to study a photograph, a still photograph, than a right. video because you can really hone in on exactly what Jordan's doing in that photo. It's so obsessive. Yeah. It's sick. It's really sick. I have what I call a infinite jealousy um, <laughs> of every bit that I love that I didn't write. That's what I... But yeah, that's that level of obsessiveness, man. Like, And I think it... For better or worse, it becomes your life. And that's why, like, when he stepped out, like, it's so interesting, man, because, like, you knew how obsessed Kobe was with basketball his entire career. But when he retired, they interviewed him, like, a, I forgot who interviewed him, but it was, like, a year after he retired. And they were like, do you miss the NBA? And he was like, no. And I think that's only because he felt so fulfilled. I think he felt right. like he gave everything to it. So there was no regrets. There was no looking back. What could I have done differently? Like, it was just he knew he gave it his all. And at the end of the day, I think, that's what we all aspire to, right? I mean, like, if you love something, I think walking away with no regrets is the is the way to do it, right? I yeah, mean, to feel like um, you emptied the tank. I mean, like, that's in, yeah, it's insane. And he's maybe one of the few people who can say that. Yeah, man, there's just so few like him. They did a, a really interesting episode of Kobe on Joe Rogan. And what was the, what was the phrase? Oh, uncommon amongst uncommon men, mm-hmm. which I thought was, like, very... Yeah, unique, even for unique people, yeah. Crazy. So to go through his life and career just a little bit, I'm just taking copy and pasted from Wikipedia on this one. Bryant won five NBA championships, was an 18-time All-Star, a 15-time member of the All-NBA team, 12-time member of the All-Defensive team, which a lot of people 
don't give him enough credit for. Not at all. Uh, 2008 NBA Most Valuable Player, which is interesting. He only won one MVP, which is another. Which is which is crazy. I know it's insane. I actually remember uh, 2008. It was a May, and that's I don't remember the exact date, but I was actually it was so crazy. I was at my dad's apartment. My dad lived in Queens. He that was the apartment I grew up in. But my parents got divorced. We moved to the city, and my dad stayed in the apartment. And I was sleeping, or I just happened to. And my mom's like super overprotective mom, who like didn't even want me in my dad's apartment or whatever. So it was like one of the few times I had been able to negotiate that and like stay with him. And I was in bed. I remember I looked at my phone, probably a BlackBerry or something, or maybe even before BlackBerry. It was probably like uh, what was before BlackBerry, Razor or something, Razor. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And I remember I I was in bed and uh, and I saw like on ESPN.com or something that Kobe won MVP. And it's so crazy. And then that night, my dad fell, and that was he died a week later. I took him to the hospital. I woke up at like oh, 3 a.m. And I just tried, I just wanted to give you a nice, easy transition into Kobe's death, but uh, <laughs> by talking about so, so death, huh? Um, oh, yeah. But, but anyway, but yeah, no, I just that it's so crazy how he only won one MVP because he was considered one of the best players. Of, of his generation that entire time he was in the league there was a lot of knocks on Kobe's game I think the fact that he shot too shot the ball too much he always he didn't have like the greatest field goal percentage he was just always you know he, he once said I'd rather shoot 0 for 20 than 0 for 5 because if I shot 0 for 5 it showed that I gave up he just wasn't affected by the misses one of the most famous examples of that so in Kobe's rookie year and we'll talk a little bit about him getting drafted and stuff like that but in the playoffs his teammate Robert Ory was ejected, and Shaq, who was Shaquille O'Neal, the best player on that team in the at least early stages of the Lakers, had fouled out. And Game 5 against the Jazz, the Western Conference semifinals, and the rookie Kobe Bryant, who's 18 years old, the youngest player in the league, shoots four air balls. Yeah, he said that he was passing by, and I definitely relate to this on like maybe a daily basis he said after that game passing by a college and he said he saw all these kids outside having fun and he was like what am I doing I literally just forfeited this life to just like be a bum in the NBA I could just be having fun like these kids are just having fun like laughing and he was just so down from like what happened and he said he felt really bad about himself that night and then like woke up the next morning and was I'm just gonna outwork everyone. One thing that I find interesting, so Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant have a famous feud, and the Wikipedia page for the Shaq-Kobe feud is like, it's longer than World War II Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's crazy. At least in that moment, it's kind of before they really have a conflict, and Shaq says afterwards, I admired a guy for shooting it four times, like even though the first one airballed, and then the second yeah. and then the third, he's still He didn't shooting. give up. He didn't give up. I also want to, um, comparing it to the World War II feud, less Jews died in the Shaq-Kobe feud than uh world war ii yeah only so, a few jews died few. <laughs> <laughs> but which is crazy to have that confidence because personally like my like there are times where i feel like i give up where like even on sets like on stage and i just always think i'm like oh kobe if he were on stage right now he just would keep shooting yeah and that that's the thing you can't really teach mm-hmm. is that confidence you have in yourself to just keep going no matter how bad it gets I think that's the thing that's deeply rooted in you or isn't and that's a quality I always admire because I question whether I how much I have if I have it and if I have it how much of it I have I'm sort of at battle with myself over that constantly so just to see a guy who just 
is like, nope, I'm hitting the next one. Yeah. And truly believing it. He think that sh- ball is going in the next time. And if it doesn't, it's going in the next time. It just, it, it's, it's unbelievable. And rare in anything. I mean, yeah. I think, especially at a young age, like you said, you used the word ingrained. Uh, so that game with the air balls, which I guess we're putting in a positive light. I mean, obviously it was a negative ultimately, yeah. but he's 18 years old. The year before Kobe Bryant was drafted, Kevin Garnett, was the first person to be drafted to the NBA straight out of high school in like 20 years. Kobe follows Garnett's example the next year. So like you were saying, he's looking at those college kids because he could have been in college. But even at this young age, he's got this, I guess, confidence in himself or or a sense of destiny or whatever you want to call it, which is rare. I mean, you're saying, you know, you don't have it, but I think that like, I don't think many stand-ups have. I mean, I think no, I know, I know. It's a different, and that's the thing. I have to stop, dude, yeah. Ben. I, I make the worst habit of just comparing everything to basketball <laughs> all the time. It's not a perfect. It's just, it's just not a perfect comparison right. at all. Like, there's just so many different artists. Are you can't be a sensitive basketball player. Being a sensitive artist could make you a better artist. Right. Like, the nobody who's like, uh, oh, he's so sensitive on the court. That's never a positive thing. <laughs> right. Like, you just have to be an assassin. Passionate, Passionate, maybe. Yeah. Passionate, yeah. But I think being vulnerable as a comic is oftentimes a, helpful. And I think relatable, being vulnerable, sure. yeah, relatable, yeah. helpful, makes the audience, you know, endeared, like, you're closer to you, feel closer to you. I, I, it's my fault for sort of seeing them as the same thing. They're not oh, at all. Oh, but it's so easy to. And, I, you know, sports is a metaphor for life. I mean, it, it's yeah. so clear cut. You win, you lose. If you lose, you get back up. You know, I mean, it's got all the lessons there. But yeah, you're right. It's like never a perfect parallel. Yeah, but you could be you could be a basketball player who goes 0 for 8 and then hits the game-winning shot and you're the hero of the game. If you bomb for 8 minutes and then your last joke kills, they're not like pass this guy. <laughs> it's just not the same. But yeah, exactly. If I mean, I think it's not about the shot going in. It, it's that's not what it's about, really. It's about you having the the will and the confidence to get the shot to go in because we're all going to miss. Right. But I think it's just to like keep shooting and find ways to shoot more efficiently. And I think that's what Kobe really stood for. I need to work on this. And he was honest about that. And he never thought he was amazing. He thought he was just a guy who needed a lot of work. And that sort of is what propelled him to his level. I think there are a lot of people that, Kobe is compared to and it's the question of oh is Kobe better than LeBron is Kobe better than but probably more than anyone is Kobe better than Jordan or is Jordan better and that's largely because Michael Jordan widely considered the greatest player ever and he is and played sort of right before Kobe famously they were in the same all-star game during the last season of Michael Jordan's career, or well, pre-Wizards, but let's, yeah, fuck yeah. that. Yeah. Um, Michael Jordan's career. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that was like a passing of the baton kind of thing. One thing that I heard was Jordan loved winning. Like, Jordan was just an uber competitor. Yeah. On and off the court, gambling and playing golf and all that stuff. Kobe loved basketball, which is ultimately has similar results in terms of being dedicated to the game. Right. But I feel like it's kind of a cool distinction. It is, but I also feel like Kobe had that winning mentality just in general also because like you know, the last 2 years of his life, he 
he won an Academy Award. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, I mean, that's like absolutely insane to finish an amazing basketball career and then where you're one of the top ten players in the history of the sport, and nobody can argue with me that he's not. Even though sometimes try to, people try to say eleven, twelve, whatever. When you make the list, it's harder. But it, I, I can't, I can't imagine he's not top ten. But it seems like he was going to just take that same ambition, passion, and drive and apply it to something else. It just seemed like passion was what he was right. passionate about. He fell in love with being in love, you know, a little yeah. bit. I and but but no no, that is interesting, right? I mean they they were slightly different, but I think those are the two that everybody accepts as the example of just killer instinct. Just sort of like undying, unwavering passion for the game. I think those are like the two. And a lot of people will either even say that LeBron isn't quite at that level of of just like I am going to destroy you. Which people fault him for. But also, you said your love for Kobe developed. He started off as the villain and then became the hero. I think that you're certainly not alone in having that trajectory with yeah, Kobe. I think, I think his public image in general was that. He was kind of the villain when he was young. And obviously, the rape allegation was the peak of the villain right. stuff. And then he was able to totally recreate his image. And... Of course, after dying so young, he also becomes sort of a martyr figure. So now I think the image of him, obviously many people won't forgive him for the rape allegations, but ultimately he's become really a hero. Yeah, I, I think so. And and dude, it was so, I mean, I was seeing tweets about, they'd be like, don't forget he's a rapist, like when he died. Yeah. And I was like, dude, like, are you, are you fucking kidding me right now? And, and, and that's just sort of like cancel culture and sort of like woke people who end up being like less compassionate than the people there targeting oftentimes i just it was just disgusting i just thought it was like awful he never did another bad publicly he never did another bad thing after that and he was like a 20 he was i was 2003 so he was let's say 19 years ago he was like a 23 year old kid i'm not saying he didn't do anything wrong he did but i just think eventually he really i think restored his image as a good family guy good yeah husband. i mean he in terms of image it really is a 180 in that case so right so he's accused in 2003 and then the case kind of goes on and has different moments in 2004 but basically what happened was there was a 19 year old woman working at a hotel in colorado kobe was actually going to get surgery the next day he was hurt yeah, yeah. and the allegations came out first it was a criminal case the criminal case was eventually dropped and then it was they settled a civil lawsuit afterwards kobe admitted to having sex with her and cheating on his wife and if you look up some of the stuff what's interesting is that his apology was also, I get how she interpreted it as rape, but I didn't realize, because it sounds like he was just choking and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Like he was into stuff that I guess, especially if you're a huge guy, can be uh, yeah. you know, scary if you're not yeah. into it. Or wanting to in. get choked and wanting to get choked by a six foot six NBA player yeah. are probably two different things. Right, right. Obviously, it's like all these cases, it's... There's no, we don't know exactly what happened. Right. One thing that I didn't know before doing some research is that when he was questioned by the police a little bit after, he mentions Shaquille O'Neal. He said Shaq pays off his, th that Shaq has extramarital affairs. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. That's such a shitty move. And like, that, those are the type of things that made him sort of hated. Things like that, things he would say where he would just like rat on his teammates to try to... But again, dude, he was 23. I mean, I don't think anybody is conditioned as a human being to be able to face that type of superstardom. I don't think there's a way to like make people ready for it ever. 
I think that he just made a lot of dumb choices, and I think that a lot of us make dumb choices, and I think we don't know exactly what it's like being that age with that level of fame. I'm not trying to make an excuse for him for why he did what he did in that hotel room. I don't know what happened exactly. I'm sure he did something probably pretty shitty. Obviously, cheating is shitty in general. I'm of the mindset that, and you know, maybe I'll get in trouble for this, I don't know, but I'm kind of of the mindset that... He definitely cheated on his wife, which, yeah, he which is a sure. bad thing, yeah. and I'm not exactly sure what happened outside of that, of additionally. Course. Yeah. Like, and uh, I definitely agree with you in terms of the day he dies in a tragic helicopter accident with his daughter yeah. and seven other people is probably not the day to aggressively say he's a rapist. Right. At least, even if you don't want to mourn his death, at least mourn the death right. of the other eight people, yeah. including and, a l- little girl. The society we live in now, man, just, this is like clearly a tragic day, you know, and you can't let it go. But I do think, so uh, talking about sort of the young Kobe, he is drafted in... 1996, he's only 17 years old. He's drafted by the Charlotte Hornets with the 13th pick, and they trade him to the Lakers, where he spends his entire career, which is a pretty rare thing. You think about like LeBron James, to spend almost two decades with one team. Unbelievable, yeah. And 1996 draft, by the way, is like one of the most ridiculous drafts. Allen Iverson goes one. Iverson, Kobe. Uh, Ray Allen, Steve Nash. Nash, um, right. Camby goes second. So, Iverson one, Camby two, Sharif Abdurrahim oh three, Stefan Marbury four, wow. Ray Allen five, Antoine Walker six, Lorenzen Wright seven, Kerry Kittles eight, wow. and Kerry Kittles goes to the Nets, who wanted Kobe. Right. And Leon Rose, his agent, manipulated that whole situation. Yeah. And Kobe yeah. wanted, Kobe was a Lakers fan growing up. Yeah. His grandfather would send him tapes in Italy, partly to study. I guess when he's growing up, you would have, it would pretty much be, I mean, at least when he's little, the magic Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Showtime Lakers, yeah. which would be obviously an easy team to like right. and appreciate. And then Kobe goes 13. Right after Kobe goes Paige Stojakovic, number so 14. Great. 15 is Steve Nash. All the way at 17 is Jermaine O'Neal. 20 is Adrunas Ilgauskas. So this is, I mean, other than maybe the LeBron draft, I mean, one These of the best ever. These are all almost all, all-stars. All all-stars. You just, named, you just named 15 all-stars. Yeah. He's in this extremely competitive draft. He joins the Lakers. His first coach is Del Harris, who he does not like and right. get along don't with. don't get along, yeah. A couple years later, Phil Jackson comes, who is already got six championships with the Bulls, led by Jordan and Pippen. And with Jackson... After a year, Shaquille O'Neal, who came in a trade from the Magic the same year that Kobe was drafted, they win three championships in a row together. Yep. And they're amazing. <laughs> I mean, amazing. I mean, one of the greatest teams ever. Oh, easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And one of the greatest one two punches ever with Shaq and Kobe. I mean, Jordan Pippen, Kareem, and Magic. There, there are some others. Shaq and Kobe, in terms of combining that with the off-court play, maybe the most entertaining combo. I know. It was crazy how they didn't get it. Yeah, I mean, I think there was this fight, and that's sort of what made Kobe— you can't be Kobe without pissing people off. It's impossible. And all of his relationships, with very few exceptions, I think one being his high school coach, but almost all of his relationships have ups and downs. Oh, yeah, for sure. His teammates, 
And Kobe is, by many people, not considered the greatest teammate, partly because of, like you were saying, the, he isolates himself. You know, Jordan yeah. was known as this very charming, like, lights up a room kind of guy and always yeah. hanging out with his teammates, maybe bullies them a little bit, just like Kobe would, or teases them, but ultimately someone you want to hang out with, right. while Kobe seems much more in his own zone, yeah. which makes sense. Right, right, right. And K- Kobe was just more like... He was a lonely guy a little yeah. bit. He he talked about how he didn't have friends. He said that he never went on vacations with the guys. Like they would go and he would just like stay in the gym and like, you know, whatever. He lived like a pretty lonely existence for for the most part. But I think he felt like he was doing the only thing that he could do. And it's just weird like thinking a guy like that like he just didn't care about relationships really. He was like, "This is what I'm doing. If you want to be part of it, come be part of it. And if you don't or you're not good enough to be part of it or don't have the relentless will to be a part of it let them just do your own thing but you won't do it with me there's a moment in the last dance which is the documentary that came out a couple years ago or a year and a half ago about the 1998 bulls where michael jordan says and he gets like emotional it's the end of an episode they're talking about him as a bullying leader and he's like i never told anyone to do anything that i didn't fucking do right and it's like a dramatic ending to the episode he like like rips off the mic and the whole thing and i think that that quote applies to kobe also yeah for sure i think it was just this is what i'm doing if you want to be a part of it come on board and if you don't that's fine you're not gonna change me which is great. I mean, those are the, it's one of those guys, you know, he's one of those guys where no matter how much people hate on him, if he went to your team, you would just be ecstatic about it. You would like beg to have somebody like him on your team. I mean, there was just nobody like him. And what he really represents to me ultimately, I think is whatever you're given, whatever you're given, you know, your, your God given talent, just squeeze as much out of it as you possibly can. You can't control that you weren't naturally good at one thing or naturally good at the other thing. You could just try to you could try to be the best at it. He was like, oh, okay, I need my, my post-up game needs work. So he would call whoever he thought was like a great post-up player in the offseason, work on that particular part of the game. And he's like, okay, my handle could be a little bit better. So he would call a point guard with an amazing handle to just train him. And he wasn't ashamed of that. He wasn't like, oh, I'm Kobe. I should know everything. I'm the best. He was like, no. Like He was honest with himself. He was like, this player is better at this than I am, and I want to learn this. So yeah. I'm going to talk to them and work with them on that and i think that's also a very human thing because it's scary to work hard right because if you work hard and fail that's put everything into it you put everything into it right and i also think that related to that kobe is one of the most respected players by other players yeah and that's got to be linked to the work ethic it's amazing yeah that that's and i think that's what he really wanted also i yeah man like his death just it really, really struck a chord. Yeah. And I think with a lot of people, I think with a lot of people, like I just happen to be such a hardcore Kobe fan, but I even think people who didn't know him that well or knew him, like mildly knew who he was, I think it even hit, hit them. And obviously it's a, tra- there's two aspects of it. Just the tragic story of just a, a man with nine passengers in the, in the, nine people going down in a plane crash, you know, nine human beings died in a tragic way is, is sad enough. But I think from my perspective, we lost it's hope kind of, um, it's almost like he, he represented someone who is just sort of untouchable mm-hmm. and that like sort of nothing kill triumph, no matter what the case is. And when you saw him die at such a young age, you kind of were like, okay, the universe sucks. And nobody is untouchable. And it just sort of made you aware of your own 
mortality, I guess. He was also dying doing a cool thing, which was bringing his daughter to one of her games. After he retired, he became very dedicated to women's basketball and raising voices for the growth of not just the WNBA, but the next generation, including his daughter. So that adds a whole nother level of sadness to it that they were on their way to do a father-daughter thing. Yeah, tragically dies at 41. I was really mourning it, man. Like There was a four or five day period where I was pretty inconsolable. I, uh, I, I actually had, that night I happened to, I was booked for this show, you know Dan Altano very well. I know, yeah, of right? course, love Dan. Yeah, love Dan too, very funny comic. And he, his mom passed away a few years ago and he put a show together for her charity. She was a professor at Bergen Community College and so she had a, a charity that they were raising money for and he asked me to do the show and it was the night of Kobe's death. And the only reason I did it was because he's a close friend and because he didn't want to make Dan's mom's death be overshadowed by my personal sadness of Kobe's death. Yeah, sure. You know, it wasn't um, just like some regular show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so I did it. I definitely would have canceled anything else, but I did it. And I just remember feeling, dude, really like angry at the world. And it really, it was, dude, it was, cr- I couldn't believe how much it affected me. I will say it probably was one of the hardest deaths I've, de- I mean, I've lost my dad. That was the hardest death I ever had to deal with so far. But other than that, man, like Kobe's death was up there. I mean, it almost made me feel like, what the fuck are we working so hard for? Yeah, that's, it still hurts. It's something that sort of, I don't think I'm ever going to fully shake because I'm just, this guy literally spent his whole life, dedicated every moment to basketball, did it, did it extremely well and now he doesn't get to spend years looking back on it fondly yeah just... with his family and all that stuff yeah, yeah. no it's and uh, also i mean dedicates his life to basketball also there was a documentary that came out while kobe was alive called muse it was yeah, yeah yeah i saw time i saw it and it's a documentary about his life and a kind of, you know, standard sort of thing, but it focuses on him recovering from his Achilles injury towards the end of his career. And you get to see that same kind of, I'm going to, I'm not going to let this injury be the thing that ends my career, which in some ways it kind of did. It did. It did. It ended his career at his highest level. Yes. But dude, he came back. That was 2013, I believe that happened. And he walked to the free throw line. He shot, he made both free throws with no Achilles, which is unbelievable. Yeah, right? he like just you can't, He didn't even look hurt. He just couldn't walk. And came back and ended his career. Dude, he scored 60 points in his final game of his career. Yeah. And I remember watching it and I was like, I could not have been more happy. And it, we hadn't seen Kobe at that level in years. Right. I mean, he just sort of just put it all out there. He was like, one last time, I'm just going to give everything I have. And it was unbelievable, dude. It was like, it was, I think, I mean, I think people consider it one of the greatest last games of somebody's career. It's got to be one of the greatest last games up there. I guess it would be an argument whether it's Kobe's greatest game because he also famously scored 81 points in one game, which is the second most of all time behind Will Chamberlain's yep. 100. I guess with Kobe, it's one of those, it is one of those careers where something amazing is this is one of the greatest things of all time, but is it even the best thing that he did right. <laughs> just because of how many great things he accomplished as a basketball player? And people make arguments for the 81 point. I mean, I remember just being floored by it, by seeing, I, I remember it was, we were watching in the middle of a different game. It was a d- different game that was on and they were like, oh, we have to just interrupt this for a second to say that Kobe, this is not a typo. Kobe has 73 points with six minutes left in the third quarter or something like that. And I was like, 
this is unbelievable. And and then people like obviously argue Kobe haters will be like, well, that's so see, that's how much he shot. He was so and he had nobody on his team at that point. Yeah. They were like a bad Lakers team. That was the in between the Shaq and then like when Pau Gasol got there. It was right. like that in between time where he was actually like talking about being traded and publicly stated that on like Jimmy Kimmel and people were pissed yeah. at him about that. But dude, it was unbelievable. His will to win was just insane, man. And 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 that's and that's what I love most about him. He said some guys just want to win and some guys feel like if they don't win it's that's the end of their life that's it and i think that's the mentality you have to have i think for whatever you do it's unbelievable yeah we can argue it is fun arguing whether he's top 10 whether he's top you know all that kind of stuff but ultimately it doesn't really matter i feel like the nba is the ultimate one where you say oh yeah that guy's got to be top 10 that guy's got to be top 10 and then before you know it you've named 26 players (laughs) yeah 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 but yeah certainly up there is one of the greats working hard i guess is just he's more he's not a human being anymore he doesn't exist he's now just a symbol of just relentless passion and hard work and so i try to incorporate that as much as i can every day of my life yeah and you're far from the only one i mean kobe in terms of most beloved players of all time well in terms of sheer numbers because he was insanely popular in china so i think that maybe just in terms of total amount of people that love kobe yeah it could surpass jordan and lebron maybe it's possible right yeah I just think, uh, I just feel really lucky that I got to develop this amazing, I guess, uh, you know, affinity for him and connection, even though obviously I've never met him or whatever. <laughs> I, I just, I just feel lucky to sort of have him as like a guide. And I think we just need someone to be inspired by. So I, I feel fortunate. All right, man. Yeah. Thanks so much for being yeah, on. Thanks, man. All right. <laughs>